Hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, where we take the time to listen and learn more about the messages we hear each week. I'm your host, Nathan Story. Joining me this week are Dean Moyer and Beverly Aylip. Guys, thank you for being here. So glad we're here. Thank yeah, thanks you. for the invite. Yeah, you're welcome. It's both of your first time on the podcast, so I thought we would start by allowing you to tell us a little bit more about yourselves and what your roles are uh, as staff members of Lake Forest Church Westlake. I'll let you guys decide who goes first. Uh, Beverly goes first. If there's time left at the end of the podcast, I'll say something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Beverly, yeah, tell us uh, tell us more about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm Beverly Aliff, and I am the children's ministry leader for our uh, Lake Forest Westlake which means I've been a little lonely lately because I haven't been able to see a bunch of the kids. So I'm happy to be here to um, maybe give some insight and talk about some things going on um, with kids these days. If you don't know, um, I'm married um, and I have a son who is gonna be a freshman in high school this year. So we are trying to embark on Mm -hmm. the high school experience in a virtual environment, which is different and challenging, but I think you know we have to find the good in it. And so we're trying to just figure out what our new life is going to look like here in the next couple weeks with school starting. So that's a little about me. Okay, welcome. Yeah, Beverly, you've really done a great job with, um, especially early on, trying to make connection with the kids and families and do the little neighborhood things. So you and your team have done some really awesome stuff. It's been kind of fun to watch and see the response of that. Pretty cool. Well, I'm Dean Moyer, and I'm the pastor of Connections and Spiritual Formation um, been here about three and a half years now. It's hard to believe wow. it's been that long. Yeah. And kind of like Beverly, one of my roles has kind of been knocked out right at the knees with uh, connecting people because there's nobody to connect at this point. So it's been a bit of a challenge in that regard. Uh, but we're doing doing some uh, good pre-planning for when we do get back together. I also do small groups, community groups, and uh, trying to get folks connected in that way and see what we're going to be doing with that in the fall and even if we continue on the way we're doing what, what the groups what are they going to look like and how are we going to help folks connect yeah. in in that way yeah. so and Cass is my wife we have two sons both grown and a granddaughter can I show you some pictures yeah uh, maybe another see. time we'll do yeah. that <laughs> show us some pictures yeah, that's we'll right. have real audio reactions to what they look like then people can just guess what we're saying okay well here's my favorite one. Aww. Oh, that's awesome yeah. you guys <laughs> it is we were joking earlier before we started recording about this being like radio theater yes, it has right. now turned into radio that's theater right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well the audio engineer was not ready for that <laughs> who is me I'm, I'm that ad as well well, I'm especially excited to have you guys both with us uh, because we're talking about uh, anxiety and the, the pressures we feel during something like this, but not just during something like this, but just how we, f- how we wrestle with, with those issues uh, in general. This past weekend, we heard from Palmer Trice, who is one of the co-founders of the Barnabas Center, a counseling center here in the Charlotte area, about these things. Um, and I thought we would start our time together by just talking about what we heard and how uh, Palmer's answers to Aaron's questions kind of struck us and, and uh, how we dissect all that stuff together. Are we, we game to try that? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So why don't you guys start? What did, what did you hear this weekend as we heard from, from Palmer and Aaron? Well, you know, for me, I felt like I was uh, sitting on the chair right next to him with kind of in this little uh, 
counseling room. He was just, he has such a peace giving he really does. demeanor about it. So I, was, I really appreciative of that from him. I also really appreciated with him just uh, being able to name his own struggles that he is not like he's a counselor and has it all figured out, uh, which that's probably the reality for all of us. We don't have it figured out. And he was just real transparent in that. I think that really gave some uh, credibility to the words that he shared um, and gave, gave us some permission and room to continue to struggle with what we're struggling. Yeah, there's something kind of disarming about that yeah. when you when you encounter someone who is as uh, I would say even almost passive mm-hmm. in a way as yeah. Palmer because he was there's just a comfort that that creates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was great. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and I guess I thought you know the thing I keep thinking about this week is how he just was saying it's you we just need to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we get stuck in our own head, maybe thinking mm-hmm. about things, but just being open in your family of, hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. So I know we tried to talk a little bit after this, this you know, watching the service on Sunday. I think it was good for us. And the other thing I keep thinking about the term that he uses, how are things coming out sideways? Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like we think we're doing good and we've got it all figured out. And then we get really annoyed at something stupid. And yeah. you think, okay, so that really is my stress coming out. I'm really not annoyed at this little thing. Right. It's I think it kind of bubbles hmm. out in those different ways. So I'm trying to notice in my own interactions in my with my family and just as I go around this week of is, is it seeping out in different ways that I don't realize it is and then maybe I need to just listen to that and think uh, maybe I'm a little more stressed that I want to let on yeah man Beverly that's so good I I had that day yesterday at the end of the day I was you know in our, our room with my wife and I just said I just feel off today there's mm-hmm. something about yeah. today where every little thing was making me angry and just could not you know get my head on straight and I think that's so right we we don't know quite the impact that some that everyday life has on mm-hmm. us much less something as big as as what we've been experiencing here in 2020 and um, you know for me I I'm always so excited to hear from counselors like Palmer I grew up in a household with a counselor my dad the licensed professional counselor was director of a counseling center down in Wilmington so I uh, I always love hearing people kind of share the wisdom that I think my dad gave to us, which is exactly what you're saying, Beverly. It's good just to talk about things. Hold things in. They just get bottled up and can make us go go nuts. Yeah. So I was excited. to. He- I was definitely excited to hear from him. And always, again, so good to hear a calming presence like that too. So much of what we do in, in church, and I think this has possibly been ramped up in the digital age, is, you know, the digital time of church that we're in now, is, is you know, we, ha- we have to bring a lot of excitement. You know, we have to almost hype, if I could use that word, to, to church. Like, you know, we're so excited to have you, or you should be excited about this and this. And I feel in a good way something like uh, sitting down in a conversation like we did this past weekend stands out because we're I was like, listen, we're just here to just embrace conversation and to embrace these things we're, we're dealing with. Yeah. So I, I love that, just the whole approach to what we did this weekend, too. Anything else? What else did you notice? What else stood out to you that? might be particularly helpful for us to reiterate as we, we talk about this weekend. Yeah, I think for uh, one of the themes that I've sensed coming through, uh, not only in uh, his conversation with Aaron, but in our conversation uh, through this week was the idea of, of rhythm yeah. and the, how much we've lost 
any sense of rhythm. It's kind of like I, I've heard those that are in retirement often say, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Is it, is it Saturday again? Right. Just because there's nothing to mark their days out anymore. And so I think he uh, invited us to ask the question, what kind of rhythm does God want to establish in your life during this season? And maybe it's reclaiming a rhythm that, that COVID has stolen because mm-hmm. everything's kind of blending together. So I think that's a theme worth uh, camping on for a little bit and, yeah. and seeing what, what God might have for his people, for, for you and I, and, and moving forward. Yeah, Beverly, you were talking about that very thing. You mentioned having a, a high schooler now, having someone going to high school and how mm-hmm. in one of the priest kind of school year meetings you guys just had, they were encouraging kids to, to take that approach to not lose the rhythms even in preparation for a school day, right? Right. They were saying if you're in a virtual school, you know, don't just roll out of bed five minutes before your class is supposed to start. Continue to get up, you know, whether that's an alarm or a certain time, yeah. have breakfast, get dressed, get set so that you're kind of in the right mindset mm-hmm. that this is my school time versus just my sitting in my room in my pajamas time. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to encourage the kids to really have that mindset when they go to school that this really is school and it's yeah. not just hanging out at home so that we can kind of have a rhythm. So I think even in our staying at home in times when we've had to shelter at home, you still need some kind of rhythm mm-hmm. in your day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it really goes back to one of our biggest losses is that we're not together on that regular yeah. weekly rhythm of Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And boy, But God set up that rhythm for us, didn't he? Every seventh day to be some sort of rest, to, to pull away from, from work and, and whatever, just because it's God's day and it's for us to acknowledge him. And that. But we don't have that rhythm anymore. In fact, in, in my world, it's my life, it's like, wow, I can make pancakes on Sunday now. I can do yeah. waffles and yeah, we yeah. can go for a walk, and, and which are not bad things, but I, I've lost the sense of that rhythm of pulling away from and reflecting on God really intentionally. And um, I, I think that's one of our biggest losses is yeah. just we've, we've lost that rhythm of uh, being with God, um, being with others, uh, just... Uh, stopping the, the, the hum of life <laughs> long enough to, to uh, yeah. catch your breath. Yeah. yeah, and I've been thinking too that, you know, our life is, everything we do in our life is now on demand. You know, Netflix was always, has been on demand, so I yeah. think we've changed our TV watching habits in the past few years yeah. that we always can watch that show whenever yeah. we want Unless to. you've been binge-watching Office Right. For your whole life, then this is the same thing. So, (laughs) but now church is on demand. You don't necessarily. I mean, it's always there. Right. You can watch it 10 a.m. Sunday morning when we broadcast it, or Monday at midnight. So, which is a good thing. But then the downside of that, like you said, Dean, there's no rhythm. So, Mm -hmm. I think it might still be worth thinking of: is there, if we're busy at 10 a.m. on Sunday because we're doing something else as a family, is there a time that we should still set aside? That we know is the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so it's almost like creating a new rhythm and a new routine, even though things are on demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a great insight. I remember people even making light of lack of rhythm and and new rhythms right at the beginning of the the outbreak of the pandemic for the the states, you know, March, early April. You know, I remember people saying like, well, there's no excuse for our community have the best looking yards in the, in the world now everyone's gonna have all this time and stuff and and now i think that it's gone on for uh, weeks and weeks we're kind of seeing more the downside of that lack of rhythm than yeah. than perhaps early on but yeah it's something we joked about now but i think 
rightly so, we're saying, hey, wait a second, this is a value that we have and have lost mm -hmm. and therefore need to recapture. Yeah. Well, we heard uh, from a number of you uh, in the chat during the airing of our service with, with Palmer and Aaron, and uh, I think we're going to take some time now to look through some questions uh, that were directed at Palmer, but we're going to take a crack at them as well. And then we have some uh, specific questions and answers uh, from a family perspective, from particularly a parent perspective that we're going to go over too. So. You guys game to, to do that, to look through some questions? Can I put Palmer on speed dial and get him ready? Yeah. To just <laughs> <laughs> and please welcome Palmer. Yeah. Like a phone a friend. No, unfortunately, he couldn't be here with us, uh, but we still thought it was uh, valuable to sit down and, and talk about these. So, um, No, you can't, Dean. You have to answer yourself okay, yes. to answer that question. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, well, here's the first question we heard uh, from you, from, from viewers of the service, uh, and let's, let's take a crack at it. The first question we have is, how do we turn off the problem-solving side of our brain, I feel like it's on 24-7. How do we do that? That's right. <laughs> Good, great question. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. I'll call Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is a great question. It seems like we're always trying to solve something. I think Aaron mentioned, uh, what was his phrase? I wrote this one down to the idea of... Um, COVID caution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we, we can't, I don't know if this aligns with that question at all but um, there's this tension of of not being able to move forward because I'm trying to solve the problem right I think that's mm -hmm. the perhaps the challenge that we're facing and maybe it, it is just the uh, acknowledgement that um, the old life is not going to we can't get that one back. Yeah. So we can rest in trying to recapture that. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but that's that's what comes to mind. And I think of that question is, um, what problem are we trying to solve? What what, mm. what are we? Tr yeah. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's just looking back and. Uh, yeah, that's oh, man, that's interesting. I uh, I feel like that's probably a general piece of advice we can get when we face any kind of trauma or big mm -hmm. not even just trauma but mm -hmm. just a, a big event in our lives is we want to go back to the way it was mm -hmm. and, and maybe what God had, has for us is mm -hmm. this, even if this does go back to normal and mm -hmm. for those at home I just used air quotes yeah. uh, when really it's it's you know, it's just adapting mm -hmm. really it's, mm -hmm. it's our it's our mm -hmm. it's our call to to adapt in this season mm -hmm. yeah I suppose in a real practical sense too, um, maybe it's helpful just to write down all the problems that you're trying to solve uh, and just naming them rather than, because they're probably spinning around like they are in my head, all the things all at once like a giant hairball, right. but what if I could identify those problems and, and be more uh, intentional about a problem rather than all problems, mm. I don't know. Yeah, because I've heard a lot of people saying that journaling is probably good at this time, even mm -hmm. if you're not a journaler. Yeah. To, I think just because of what you're saying, Dean, it gets it out of your head. Mm -hmm. And then maybe when you see all of the things, you can tackle them one at a time mm -hmm. or just be like, okay, this one's never going to be solved. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps it helps you just maybe name it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And this is a little bit of a diversion here, but how much of our problems that we see in our lives are actually just us wanting to be in control? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that's probably the hardest thing of this. Yeah, I know whole people situation. like that. Yeah, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are they sitting on that couch over there? <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, we got another question here. Um, very interesting question. It says this, as a mature individual who is facing the final chapters of life, I find myself feeling cheated of time with friends and family and experiences. I'm trying to be patient and understanding, but I'm scared and I'm lonely. How do we find hope for the future while we seem to be stalled in the never-ending present? Gosh, you can just feel the pain mm, in that question. Boy, that's, yeah. boy, that's, you can feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot there, isn't there? Uh, yeah. Maybe just reading that feels like uh, this person is actually one of the more honest people just being able to articulate yeah. for all of us where, right. where we are in, in lots of those things. But not having hope is a, such, a, such a difficult thing. I don't know. I mean, when you talk about the loneliness, I know, and everybody's tired of Zoom. You know, everybody says they're on Zoom fatigue. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like we still need to find a way to interact personally with people. Yeah, I think that's it. Outside, yeah. big distances, I think you can still find a way to do that just mm -hmm. because I think just talking to somebody on a screen isn't the same as seeing mm -hmm. them in person. Mm -hmm. So even if it's just one person that you can let into yeah. your bubble, so to speak, yeah. maybe maybe that helps some of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. Yeah, I, Laura and I have found ourselves just being a little brave for, for the introverts that we are mm -hmm. in, in, in this time because I think we're seeing the value of that. We, we've been doing like random FaceTime calls to people, yeah. you know, that mm -hmm. feel almost like an intrusion, but at the same time we're like, no, it's, it's good. We, we need to talk to people. So mm -hmm. let's just face, we've never FaceTimed this person before. Let's hope they answer and then mm -hmm. we both get a little bit yeah. of something. Yeah, so stuff like that has been helpful. I, yeah. think, I remember having a conversation with one of our, our neighbors and I don't know if she's churched or not. I, I really don't know her that well. But I remember her saying very early on, she goes, you know, people can't even go to church. And, boy, it just is showing how much we actually need one another. Yeah. I thought that was really an interesting observation. And if, if anything that COVID has done that is a gift to us is, re, is hammering home that reality that we are not made to be alone mm -hmm. yeah we're, we're right. made to connect with one another and so to your point Beverly and the the FaceTiming thing I think and maybe it's just a, a simple as not waiting for somebody to call you but maybe you're the initiator you be the one and to looking yeah. to, to be the solution to that and and even if you don't feel like it you know maybe set a goal let's do two people a day and yeah. make a call randomly and have a conversation and not a text so right. much, <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the old thing of actually calling and talking to people. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a huge component of of our loneliness, our loss of knowing what to do, lack of hope, or because uh, we, we can't even help anyone because we're not even talking to anybody. So may, may, I don't know. That might be a a worthwhile thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was reflecting this morning on my time in in college, and someone had asked me. Um, Laura and I were a part of an university chapter in college. That's mm -hmm. how we met. And mm -hmm. Someone was asking me to reflect on that time and, and to see uh, if I could kind of articulate the value of being a part of a, of a fellowship mm -hmm. or a community in a new season like that. I remember saying that, um, you know, it's it's worth the awkwardness mm -hmm. because the the payoff can be so much better than mm -hmm. just what the awkwardness yeah. takes away from you. Yeah.
and uh, and I feel like that's that's true for us now too, mm-hmm. right? Like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Being like take take the step. If it's not your pa- personality, do it anyway, yeah. <laughs> because the the cost yeah. is too great to be mm-hmm. in isolation. Yeah. And uh, when we talk, think about things like anxiety and fear, which is what we're talking about today, those things thrive in isolation. Mm-hmm. Those things thrive when they're not put out in the open. Yeah. And they're just kind of locked in in your head. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, we have some questions here specifically about dealing with these issues uh, in kids and, and, and as a parent. So Beverly, maybe you can speak uh, as our Kidtropolis director to, to some of these as we, as we move down the line. Um, how do you calm the anxiety of a child who develops symptoms from COVID exposure or has a family member or friend hospitalized with life-threatening issues? Whoa. These yeah. are some, okay. Westlaker's not pulling any punches here, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Just got to say, these are some heavy questions, and yeah. we appreciate your vulnerability in, in sharing them with us. Yeah, but how do we do that? How do we calm the anxiety of, of our children? That's tough, especially if it's, if it's saying that they're developing symptoms, so they're mm-hmm. fearful for their for their own life. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, maybe some of it is just ensure, in, assuring them that most cases are light, mm-hmm. you know, and that not all of them are life-threatening and um, that we'll get through this. And then, I, I don't know, with a family member, I think the only thing you can do there is just pray with your kids mm-hmm. for them because yeah. there's not a lot else you can do because especially if they're yeah. in a hospital, you can't visit them. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So I feel like that's that's about the only mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I don't know. Dean, do you have any other ideas? Well, that's yeah, tough. When, when you said the prayer thing, I think – you know, most of us um, often uh, find our. Uh, I'll just say this about myself. <laughs> Maybe you know people like this too, but we resort <laughs> to prayer when things get tough. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the gift to us at this time is that we've established a rhythm of prayer with our families mm-hmm. so that when these other things come up they don't feel like some sort of um, big rescue attempt that we've got to somehow ask God to come in and swoop down and help us there's no it's not out of the ordinary for us to pray and to ask God right. so um, so I know this is kind of getting in front of the question but uh, uh, what do we do if it happens well let's ask back it up and say what do we do before it happens mm. Is, is this God's invitation for us to establish new family patterns of, of praying and reading together yeah. and doing those kinds of things that bolster faith and hope and all those things so that when they will do happen, that we have this uh, a new foundation, a new uh, way of, a uh, new perspective of dealing with it. Yeah. So it's a similar question, but a little bit different. Um, Situation. How how do we explain what's going on to a child who doesn't quite even understand what's going on? How do we deal with the the fear of the unknown? Mm-hmm. I guess. Right. And I think we really have to look at the age of the child. I think sometimes we tell our kids too much, especially if they're still in that preschool age, you know, five and under. They honestly don't need to know that much mm-hmm. of what COVID means. I think. Um, when they're in school, obviously their lives have changed, mm-hmm. and so they need to address it. But sometimes I think it's at having them ask you the questions because then you know what they're thinking. They just might be asking, how do I put my mask on? Mm-hmm. When And yeah. then we get into this whole discussion about 
how germs travel, and that's not really what they wanted mm -hmm. to know. So I think it's maybe getting them to ask the questions first, mm -hmm. and then you answer their questions instead of over explaining things mm -hmm. yeah. and and explaining things that you've seen on the news. I mean, yeah. and sometimes I think it's sheltering our kids right now mm. from the media. Yeah, honestly, I don't think a lot of kids need to even be seeing what they're doing on TV. Mm. Yeah, and that's good. I, Laura and I pray every night for the Lord to heal our world from the virus. And mm. but there's been a part of me that, you know, my son is two, very very young, doesn't really understand what's going on in the living room, much <laughs> less the world. Um, and I've thought to myself, you know, do do we need to pray this stuff out loud? Mm. So he. So I don't necessarily want him to have these questions. I don't want him to. Does he need to know as a two-year-old mm -hmm. that this stuff is going on? Mm -hmm. And and you know, and gracefully, I think he's a lot of it still goes over his head, even even when we pray right. about it. Yeah. But there's something to what you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, Beverly. There's there's kind of a need to know basis that mm -hmm. our kids have. They don't need to carry the the problems that that we carry as adults, right? They really don't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's good. I think that's good. Well, shift, shifting gears a little bit, how, speaking of time management and what we do with all this downtime we have, how do we manage the screen time of our kids? <laughs> I have a simple solution for that one. I Just unplug it. Just don't give them screen Go slower, time. Slower, slower. Say it again. <laughs> we do what now? For the people in the back? <laughs> unplug the router. Yes. Just unplug it. Hear the screams of terror and fear <laughs> echo through your household. Just turn it off. <laughs> See what happens. No, I, I obviously I'm being a little facetious there, but uh, it's your yeah, call, I mean, it's your I can house. see the concern because they think of they're seeing how many hours they're on for school, which is necessary, yeah. mm -hmm. and they have to be, and you can't mm -hmm. control that. True. So if yep. you look at yep. it and think my kid's already been on the screen for four hours mm -hmm. because of school, I don't want them to be on more. Right. I, I don't know. We we have a lot of screens in our house. I'll admit. Um, so. It's probably just, again, setting up some other rhythms of, yeah. say, when you're done with school, okay, you yeah. need to take a break. Yeah. Where it's go outside, mm -hmm. play with some different things before you let them back on to play, you know, their, their screen time stuff, which is fun. So I think maybe just setting up some of those limits that way. And then we've pulled out a lot of old school stuff. I mean, we've done puzzles. I mean, I don't know when I've ever done, sat down and done a puzzle with my family. Amazing. And board games and trying to come yes. up with some other things to do. Yeah, Nathan, so, the board game guy. Side, sidebar, I love board games. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe just to find a lot of more off-screen things that we can do. Yeah. We Like we've talked about, we've done so much walking in our neighborhood. We're tired of walking in our neighborhood, yeah. but I think it's been a good thing. And, you know, finding some other things to do outside. Yeah. I know right now it's crazy hot, so the only place you want to be is the pool, if you go to the pool. Yeah. But And then I think sometimes give yourself a little grace. Honestly, I felt like this was not the summer to really fight with your kids too much about screen time. Especially if I all of their right friends too. weren't allowed outside yeah. to play. They they kind of didn't have a lot of options. So right. maybe I, I gave them to too much screen time, but sometime, but I don't know. I felt like in one sense they were kind of got a little bit of a pass this summer <laughs> yeah well because in, in some ways that socialization happens on screens now more than at any other place for our kids right like mm -hmm. so there's yeah. a chance that you, your son or daughter can hang out with their friends playing a video game mm -hmm. or whatever it is um so yeah i i get that i get that yeah, yeah. i think it's just maybe just building in breaks yeah breaks it's just <laughs> and it, every family is going to be different right mm -hmm. so right. so not 
what works for this family isn't going to necessarily work for that family. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, yeah, it's wise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it should be said too that you know screen time breaks aren't a bad thing for adults either. Mm. We we try to take an hour or two post bed post dinner time in our family, um, where nobody has a screen. Mm-hmm. Put the phone down. Like we don't need. Mm-hmm. As you, it's what you're talking about, kind of sheltering from the news. We need to be sheltered from mm-hmm. the news sometimes. Right. And maybe yeah. shelter is not the right word, but it's okay to turn your brain off, especially when you're thinking about combating anxiety yeah. and you know combating these these difficult things that we're gonna. Yeah, I was reading time. an article about um, loss of sleep during. Oh yeah. This this time that people just aren't sleeping well, and one of it is one of the reasons is attributed to screen time, huh. and just the biological reality that our screen mimics daylight. Oh, and yeah. if we're mm-hmm. uh, we don't have these rhythms, if you will, go back to that again. Yeah, these yeah. rhythms of day and night that our body recognizes, we, we can't go, we can't sleep because we've just we've just left the daylight of the screen. And so they recommended two to three hours before you go to bed, just like you all are doing. Yeah. But just for the biological reason mm-hmm. of shutting your 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 body down so it can rest, give it. Let it do its thing and don't force it into a daytime pattern when you're ready yeah. to go to bed. Yeah, that's right. good. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, here's a, another big question for us to tackle. We're just going to just take all the big ones. We're just going to solve the world's problems. They're all big. Yes, they are. What do we do with anger, disappointment, or sadness that we feel towards friends and family who have varying viewpoints than our own? And I'm oh. assuming... Varying viewpoints of that's uh, easy. procedures and yeah. you know yeah, we, we, uh, masks and sheltering and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. we post our opinion on social media and let <laughs> yeah. it be. And just let it be. <laughs> yeah. And then, right. so you post your inflammatory comments, then you turn the screen off. Yeah, so you that's don't have right. to then you go to bed. I mean, that's, you don't, yeah. <laughs> we might be getting in trouble you, for this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> then you block your family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever on this couch has ever done anything like that. That's a great question, though. What do it we is. do? What do we? What yeah. do we do? What's constructive for us to do? Well, I'll go back to uh, Palmer's. Yeah, and that right. is uh, he ended up with this, the uh, thought of gratitude and being gracious toward toward others. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like that's an attitude that we have to just really practice, and graciousness toward others that think differently. Um, how to be how to be grateful for people, exercising it in that way. So I, I think that spirit will take us a long way. Uh, it's not as though everybody has it figured out. It just happens to be what news feed you happen to be watching. Right. Right. Um, right. And everyone counters the other. So uh, it's all a mess. It's all confusing. Uh, we're asking hard questions, just like our kids are. Can we just be gracious with one another and loving and think uh, more highly of them than our initial response, and yeah. even if they're aggravating. Um, we don't have to respond. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that was easy. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah somebody's going. Yeah, but what about? <laughs> That's yeah. for the next podcast. That's for the That's next, the one. next yeah. one. I've done a lot of reading and stuff over the summer in the past few months from different children's ministry. Yeah. Uh, curriculum and companies that you know that that are dealing um, and trying to get out a lot of materials. And to to parents, and then I've heard just a lot of comments from just conversations I've had with other parents um, in our church. So I wanted to just maybe go through a, a couple things. Yeah. Um, 
for uh, helping your kids through this crisis. I don't, I'm sure it's not going to answer everything, but just maybe maybe it'll be a good pointer in here for you. Great. Uh, so the first thing I was thinking about is how do you recognize worry, stress, and anxiety in your kids? And I would say um, the best thing to do is to be a student of your own kids. Mm. You know, you know what they are like normally, and you know what their normal rhythms of behavior are. And if you see a change, don't sweep it under the rug, but really recognize it. Um, and I was reading that kids generally respond in one of two ways. One, they withdraw more than they normally would. Mm-hmm. And the other way is they mm-hmm. act out and they're like bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the two different extremes for that. But if you see that behavior, it probably is due to some stress in their lives. And um, so I think going back to what Palmer was saying, it's just, I think, conversation mm-hmm. and talking yeah. and asking your kids maybe how they are feeling and don't dismiss their feelings. Even if something they say is completely outrageous that's not going to happen, don't dismiss it. That is That fear is real to them. And that's why I think a lot of it is listening to your kids, really asking them questions and mm-hmm. listening to what they are thinking and feeling. Yeah, that's good. And then some uh, pointers for helping our kids deal with stress. Um, we've talked some about rhythms already is to yeah. have some of the set routines. Um, I know summer is a lot of times a time for not having a lot of routines, but thinking about getting back into school. Mm-hmm. The new school year is gonna be very stressful for kids because no matter what school you're at, it is different mm-hmm. than what it, it has ever been. So trying to figure out some routines from them, and we may not know what those routines are until they go to school that first mm-hmm. week to right. see, you know, what time during their day is instructor-led time versus you know their own time of doing work, but then to help them set up a routine. You know, this is school time versus play time versus bedtime. And back to that, getting ready for school, even if you're at home, getting ready for school as if you're getting ready for the school day. You might even want them to pack lunch. You know, be like, here's your lunch. So when it's yeah. lunchtime, it's there. So it's go getting, eat it on the front porch or something. You know, right? Like go yeah, it's just and eat. so they feel like yeah. their mindset they're in the right mindset Mm -hmm. to be in school even though I think if you're just sitting in your bed in your pajamas your mindset may not quite be right Right. for for really good learning times and then um, play and exercise together I know we kind of joke that wow we've all had a lot of family time the past five months but honestly I don't think our kids are seeing that Mm -hmm. I hear a lot I've been talking to a lot of parents and a lot of their kids are like this is the best summer ever (laughs) because they felt like they got to see dad because dad normally travels for work and now Mm -hmm. he hasn't traveled in five months so they get to have more time with their Mm -hmm. parents so I think that's a good thing yeah so trying to find some things you can do together and maybe even finding something a new adventure to do Mm -hmm. together say we've never done we've never been hiking or we've never been camping or let's try frisbee golf or something that is kind of new and do that together as a family Mm because then it's kind of an adventure Yeah. yeah I think before being a dad, and of course I'm a very young dad uh, in, in the season of parenthood, but one of the best pieces of advice I remember getting, I think about it almost every day, it was from a, a ministry partner, a friend of ours from church, who, who said that kids spell love, T-I-M-E. They do. And that's yes. absolutely true, and I see that in my son, and I think we can all see that if mm-hmm. we take the time, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. pun intended, to, to study yeah. them like you're saying. That's good. Yeah. That's so good, yeah. And then um, also in that time, maybe something 
get involved, play something that they like to play. I know no matter what stage of life your kids are in, you might be like, I'm so sick of having tea parties, or I right. don't like doing video Wait a games. Zachary likes tea parties. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is, this, is this thing still on? Yeah. We'll cut that. We'll cut that out. Don't worry, Zachary. I didn't say we'll that, that was my example. I said <laughs> an example. Um, that, you know, even though you may not like doing it, your mm-hmm. kids may like doing it. And they're so, going to love seeing, seeing you do it. Yeah. 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 Even though you've already done it a hundred times that week, they yeah. still think it's fun. So, yeah. I think playing okay. together is very, very good. Um. And then this is this next thing was something that I kind of had seen from my own experience and not necessarily something I'd seen in any articles or research, but to find something to do together that is helping others mm. and do it regularly. Yeah. Um, whether that's making cards for our Westlake Shares food box ministry, or if mm. your kids are old enough to actually help in the Westlake ministry, or if you're, um, I know we have a few girls in our group that have sewing machines, and so they've oh, been wow. sewing masks. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. finding something age appropriate for your kids to do that is helping others. And then I also, we had a neighbor that did this. This was so cool. Like when we were on that true quarantine stay at home phase, they, when they went to the grocery store, they picked up some baked goods every week, or it was every Friday. And then they randomly picked like five neighborhood neighbors that they knew, and they wrote a note that said, hey, here's our favorite you know, bread from Great Harvest Bread Company. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoy it. And then they sent their kids out, and they did the old-fashioned ding-dong ditching. They came and they <laughs> put the bread on the, on the front porch, they rang the doorbell, and then the kids ran off, and then, you know, see if they could, you know, leave it without being caught. And that was a way to just bring joy to somebody's life, yeah. completely socially distant, they didn't mm-hmm. have to be involved in something, you know, around anybody. And I just thought that was really cool because so the end it became the routine. It was every Friday. And then I know on our Facebook, you know, with a lot of the neighbors, like I would see, oh, well, so-and-so got their bread this week. So then it kind of became like everybody looked forward to Friday, like who was going to get oh, the yeah. free bread. That's so if, you're, if you find a way to help other people and then you set it in your routine, whether it's once a week mm-hmm. or once a month, then that gives something for people to look forward to. And I think anytime we help other people it gets that focus off ourselves and it pulls us out of that depression mm, that yeah. i think we're all getting pulled into yeah. so doing something yep. to help other people i think yeah it's really good, really good yeah. about connection yeah. it is and then a season of isolation connection can feel very powerful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. well um wrapping up here we're getting close to the end of our time but i want to ask you both uh, if there's anything else you'd like to share with those listening as we kind of move on from this week and um, anything anything else that we want to add that we didn't quite get to? Well, first of all, Beverly, those are great ideas. Yeah. And I'm going to bet that people didn't have a pen in their hand or they were driving and whatever listening yeah. to this. Um, you'll, can you get this out to people or if they sure. just email you? Yeah. Why don't you email Beverly at... We're, how do we get hold of people here again? Yeah, <laughs> at my Lake Forest email, you but, can yeah, find it on the website. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just email Beverly. I'm sure she'd love to get that to you and and help in any way that she can. But yes, that's really good. I love those things. Really practical. Yeah. You know what came to mind when you said that? Uh, is how they ended the service on on Sunday. There were kind of three things. Mm-hmm. One was to be kind to yourself. That yeah. the idea. You know, nobody's read this chapter of the book yet, so just be gracious with yourself be kind and um, give yourself a little bit of slack you're not going to get it all perfect 
So I, I think that's a, a good counsel for us to relieve some of that pressure. The second was just to acknowledge the stress in in our lives. Just yeah. it, it just yeah. it is what it is, and I hate that statement, but there is a lot of stress. But ask the question: How does God want to use this mm-hmm. in my life? Mm-hmm. So you do have that conversation with God, that prayerfulness with God. God, how do you want to use this stress to to shape me? And the third one is uh, just a general idea of let this season take us to God yeah. rather than away from Him. Yeah. And uh, I think those are some really helpful thoughts as we look at the role of faith in in the midst of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so those are great. Thanks for reiterating those, Dean. Well, that is all the time we have for this week's episode of our podcast. I want to thank our very special guests, Beverly Aliff and Dean Moyer, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. A lot of fun. So join us next time when we ask our teachers, ministers, and those speaking to us to tell us more. Goodbye. Goodbye.